0: Hello and welcome to the Be Less Dumb podcast. If you listened to it in the last series you'll know that basically we talk to a bunch of s coaches who I think maybe work in different areas than I do or I feel really intelligent and I try to learn from them and become a little less dumb in the process. This series we're going to talk a bit more about business as well so if you have any interest in that stay tuned and welcome to the podcast. Hello hello welcome back to series two of the Be Less Down podcast. Really excited about this series. Got a ton of really nice guests coming on, and I'm really excited about who we're starting with today. Today we're starting with Brianna Mulhern. So Brianna is an SNC coach, just like myself. She's currently doing her masters. But first of all, thank you, Brianna, so much for coming on the show. Welcome to the show. And how the hell are you?
1: Yeah, I'm good. Getting on really well. Yeah, how are you?
0: Not too bad. Not too bad. Thank you so much for being on today. And you know, like I said, you're an SNC coach. You're currently doing your masters. Um, you're working in San. want to tell us a little bit more about yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm a 22-year-old master's student um, from Belfast, working and living full-time in Dublin. So I graduated from a bachelor's degree in sport and exercise science in July 2020 from Ulster University. Um, and since then, I've enrolled in a full-time master's in strength and conditioning at Ulster University. Um, and I'm currently living and working full-time in Dublin at the sports surgery clinic in Sanctuary, while studying the master's predominantly online.
0: Nice, nice. Um and what about you know you had you played basketball all your life, is that right?
1: Yeah, I played from I was around seven, I'd say, yeah, so a good long time.
0: And what's what, what club did you pay for?
1: Um so whenever I was in Belfast I played for Ulster University. Um but now that I've moved down to Dublin I have signed for um Swords Thunder Basketball Club.
0: Oh nice, okay, okay. Um all right, so we'll get started on the um on the century side of things. So we we I know we talked a minute, minute ago before the podcast about redefining really your role at Sandry. So do you want to start with that?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, currently, I am working in the sports surgery clinic as a biomechanics research assistant. Um, so I'm based predominantly in the sports medicine building. And um, for anyone who maybe doesn't know who the clinic are, they're pretty much um, a world renowned sports medicine facility that do sport related injury surgery and rehabilitation. So, um. Originally, I actually did an internship year there during my undergrad year as a biomechanist um, and was lucky enough then to be able to come back as a graduate. So essentially what my job entails is working with athletes who are post-surgery and are working at getting back to playing their sport. So as a research assistant, I collect biomechanical data and from that then I create a performance report for the physiotherapist. So the majority of the athletes that I usually see are post-ACL reconstruction who come in many different stages of the rehab. So I usually see them around four, nine months post-op to go through a battery a test then with the sports medicine team. So we do also see athletes here maybe like post-surgery and um, for their shoulder or for their groin, but mainly I see ACL. Um, so my main role really is to collect motion capture data in a three laboratory setting and then from a series of sports specific movements. So like bilateral and unilateral jumps, so like your counter movement jump, your drop jump um, a bit of single leg hopping and change direction tasks and um, so this 3D data then the 3D data is collected by basically little retroflective markers that are placed on different points of your body and then what happens is they reflect off cameras in the lab and it creates kind of like a stick man version of what the athlete um, looks like and al- allows us to calculate things then like jump height contact time um, and different things like that for us to see what way the rehab's going so then once this data is collected, obviously, and um, we put them through a strength test. And the patient's quad and hamstring ratio is tested, which allows us to collect like peak torque values for extension and flexion. And it lets us establish pretty much whether there is an interlimb deficit present in order to determine the athlete's return to play status. So pretty much what I do is collect all this scientific data and combine it with the isokinetic data and it's then passed up on to a follow-up clinician so either a physiotherapist or a strengthening conditioning coach who will then go through the results with the patient and determine whereabouts they are in their rehab process
0: it's a pretty impressive job for just master's <laughs> degree <don't know. laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, That's a big reason as well as why i wanted to get you on is kind of talk about this because i have i have talked to people before a couple of people that did my course in Santry, but i feel like you've got the most interesting job out of all of them that work <laughs> um so you talked about like limb-to-limb limb deficit. Do you have any kind of markers? I'm sure there is. What is the kind of marker that you want to get towards between your, I don't know, left or right if the left is a injured ACL?
1: Yeah, so pretty much what we look for is either a 10% deficit or less. You obviously have to take in, into consideration dominance as well. Most people automatically have an interlimb deficit even when they're healthy. Um, pretty much just because of their dominant leg, whether it's their kicking leg or so on. Um, we usually also look for around 260% body weight for your quads and around 150% of your strength for your hamstrings per body weight.
0: Nice, okay. And um, has that slowed down at all now, people coming through century because of COVID or is it still flying through?
1: Um, To be honest, I think we're we're a lot busier since COVID to be quite honest with you. People are just trying to use as an excuse, I think, to get out, to be honest. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But yeah, it's been quite busy after Christmas now, I will say
0: yeah it's just, it's kind of like i mean everything's shut down right um even here the only things we can do is our physiotherapy rehab stuff um so you we actually see it the, they go through the roof because people like you say want an excuse to get out of the house it's also a good time to fix any injuries that you have but um when you're when you are working there are you are you full time there at the moment are you are you three days a week and are you still doing your master's as
1: well um so I'm Monday to Friday I'm forty hours a week um on top of doing the master's work so it's a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, and is your master's completely all online right now?
1: Yeah, right now it's, everything's online. Yeah, which is kind of good. So yeah, kind of handy for the current
0: situation, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit. Have you have you learned a lot while working? I'm sure you did learn a lot in your your um, internship at sanctuary But if you could say some of the things you've learned, what would you say you learned from working there?
1: Yeah. Um... I've learned a lot about the rehab process like particularly of lower limb injury. so you learn the importance of things that you don't really think about like you know reactive strength index or even just the strength that you have in your hamstring your quads like as a healthy individual you don't think about how important these things are for even preventing injury and then I've also learned that rehab just isn't a physical process like there's definitely a huge amount of room for psychology-based rehabilitation people come in and like their knees fixed they've had the surgery but they've no belief or confidence in their ability and because we might see different physical results they maybe aren't a true representation of what that individual can actually do because maybe they are holding back for a fear of re-injury so there's definitely a place there for sports psychologists in the rehab process for sure and it's also cool to learn that you're a part of someone's rehab journey like I get to see so many things for the first time like a lot of the patients that I see around their four-month mark I may be seeing them run for the first time so it's definitely a really rewarding thing Um, to see Working alongside, obviously, top-class physios and SNCs, you're in a constant learning environment. Like, I pick the brain of everyone that's there. Like, they're probably sick of me talking to them and having conversations. But um, it's definitely the best place to learn.
0: Yeah, for sure. Always try to be the dumbest person in the room, right, and ask everyone else what they think, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, literally the whole pretense of this podcast, right? I get people wanting to do in something that I'm interested in. I try to basically steal their ideas, pretty much. Um, <laughs> so you've, you've been there. When did you start back there? in september was it or was it a little bit later january
1: yeah so a little bit later so i started back there at towards the end of november 2020 yeah
0: okay and um when it when it comes to say you know you said there's a role for sports psychology and of course there is there's a role for psychology in literally every aspect of life i mean every single person in the world could do have a little bit of psychological help right but um <laughs> do you guys have anything in place right now at Santry to work on that or are you still putting something together or do you, was there anything in the process
1: um, so at the minute we do do questionnaires now with um, with all of the patients that come through to kind of get a subjective kind of result of how they're feeling about knee function um, but in terms of the follow-up for that I feel as if we're not quite there yet in terms of having you know the sports psychology aspect of it but it's definitely something that I would say the clinic will work towards.
0: Okay um, and then how, many, how often do you see the patients who's so, I, obviously I grew up down in Kerry and I know a lot of people got their ACL surgery and then went up to santry and it got maybe once a month twice twice maybe every couple of months along the process <clears throat> would you see them mostly kind of every very sporadically or would you see them often
1: um so me and biomechanics then I see them probably every couple of months so either they're three they're six and they're nine month post-op or four and nine um, but I do end up usually sometimes getting the same patients back so it's kind of nice to have like that kind of full circle of the rehab
0: yeah that would of course and then so they they you, you do all the, the data pass it on to the SNC or the physio the physio then does their program and they just go home and do it then is that right
1: yeah pretty much yeah they give out obviously they prescribe exercise and um, both s and the physios and then they give out kind of like a program and um, they go through some of the exercises here um in the clinic some people do now, you know they come back for the physio appointments you know if they're local then they'll be do their physio in the clinic um but most people if they live further um they do take the program home and do it then in their own time.
0: Okay, nice. And you guys use you said you use the little ballpoints to make the stick man, right, for the for the motion test. Have you ever used the organic motion machine? Have you ever seen that? Where they kind of stand in, make a little T and it kind of gives you um that kind of stick man figure to do all your jumps and stuff from the start.
1: Um, yeah, I have seen one. We actually don't use one though. Um, we are basically retroreflective, so we have to palpate 28 different anatomical marks every single time we mm-hmm. marker a patient. So, um, ours is very much um a very hands-on approach <laughs> for the marker. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, we, we actually we had one in, in lit in furloughs. We had a big organic motion machine, mm-hmm. and I'd say in my four or five years there, I think I saw was in it twice, maybe. So I think like um, I don't really know what it gets used for, but. It's definitely time effective, but um, I don't know. I think if it was as good as everyone thinks it would be or is, then I think everybody would have it. So there must be some issues with it, right?
1: <laughs> Maybe, I don't know.
0: <laughs> so you, you were talking a little bit, like, obviously about the psychological aspects of injury. Um, and we actually discussed this beforehand. You've had a few injuries yourself, right? Does that kind of help you, you get on the same level as the person you're working with? Or do you find any health or benefit or negative effects to it?
1: Um yeah so I yeah I suffered a knee injury last year um during a basketball match um it was an injury to my patella um luckily though I obviously didn't have any ACL damage or anything but I was put out for the rest of the season um I think that kind of allows me to relate to people that I see every day Do you know like an ACL is a season ending injury and like I know how frustrating it is to get back to the same physical level that you started with and then trying to make it even better and trying to become even stronger like it's an exhausting process but it does let me encourage the patients that I see to do their best during testing. And it definitely helps them gain a little bit more confidence knowing that they, you know, they need someone to tell them, like, you can do this exercise, like, I know you can, you know. So I think it definitely helps that I can come from like the same sort of situation to kind of motivate them during the testing to get the best like performance that I can out of them.
0: Yeah, you know, you're the proof, right? So that, that always helps if you can relate back to them on, on a personal level or an experience level, right? Um, so now you you did your undergrad. Did you undergrad in the same university you do in your uh, postgrad in, or was it a different one?
1: Yeah, same university. Yeah, Ulster University. Okay.
0: Is that why you chose to work at, uh, to do it at Ulster University, or was there anything in particular that wanted to make you want to do it there?
1: Um, yeah, I lo- I loved my undergrad at Ulster. Um, I really enjoyed um the lecturer and staff. They were really really good to us during our final year. Um, so I definitely wanted to go back and do my masters there. Um, the Masters is quite new as well. It's only been on, I think, now for the last three years. So um, I definitely wanted to give it a go at Ulster University.
0: Nice. Um, yeah, you, you're seeing S&C Masters pop up everywhere, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <I think> there's
0: <laughs> everywhere. Gonna, there's so many. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. I think we're producing so many coaches right now and there's just not enough jobs for everybody. But you'll <laughs> see, Um. I guess the best will get their jobs anyway. So there's no need for you to worry. You've already got a <laughs> decent one. You'll be fine. Um. So how is it? Are you enjoying it? You're learning much? What are the kind of modules that you're doing right now?
1: Yeah, it's going really well. Yeah, I actually am enjoying it. Like a few of the modules are similar to final year. So if we have like a nutrition module, physiology module. So I did quite a lot of that during my undergrad. So it's kind of nice to have sort of somewhat familiarity with it. And then the new kind of modules I have are like program design, principles and practice of S&C and um, they're obviously new and it's great to be able to take like my undergrad learning and apply it to quite a practical style masters you know
0: yeah and uh, you just I was literally about to touch on that you know if you're you're obviously remote learning right now so was there meant was there meant to be many practical aspects of your masters that aren't happening right now
1: um yeah so for both program design and the principles and practice of strength and conditioning um, both modules would have been taught on campus and they would have had a lot of practical elements to kind of teach like Olymp- Olympic weightlifting styles and stuff so I haven't obviously gotten any of that due to um, learning remotely but obviously it's handy enough that I'm working in a clinic where I can pick brains of other people for that sort of yeah. stuff do you know
0: yeah for sure, for sure, um, I wouldn't worry too much about learning Olympic lifts if you can get someone to do a mid-five pull and explode you'll be okay <laughs> uh, we spent, I think I spent, oh, I think in our, in our undergrad we spent a whole year um, there's about 100 in our year. If 100 of us learn how to do Olympic lifts, I would say one of us program it, maybe. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. um What I would say to you as well is, like, I don't know, like I, I in my own masters, we had a coaching science masters, and we didn't do a single practical part of it. And honestly, it's kind of like I don't how see how that makes sense. If you're going to have a big coaching masters and you don't even do one single practical exam, um but you, you're kind of getting the best out of it anyway because you're going to be working a century and you get the be practical on a day-to-day and i'm assuming you still get access to a gym right even though lockdowns
1: um so we were getting access to a gym now with level five we don't have access so that was that's just recent <laughs> yeah so um yeah the moods in the in work have been quite low <laughs> the last few <laughs> days so
0: yeah that's that's tough that's tough uh we're there we kind of have access to a gym you know um, we're in work in there and you know if you happen to stay an hour extra I don't know if anyone's going to say anything or not um, they might now we say it on this but who fucking knows um (laughs) have you thought about what research you're going to do what what your
1: dissertation is going to be on um yeah so at, at the minute I'm kind of going back and forth so I did my dissertation for my undergrad in the clinic when I was there at my internship um, and I don't know whether to continue on from that and do something, you know, that kind of builds on it or whether to do something completely different. I'm currently in that no man's land. I have no idea.
0: OK, okay. When, <laughs> when is it? When is, is you, how long is your master's Is it two years?
1: It's one year, but it's three semesters. So my dissertation will be written between July and September.
0: Yeah, same as same as mine. Um, mm. And we, when I did mine, it was the hottest summer ever. It was amazing, but it it was tough. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, like we're gonna get onto. I know you, you're thinking about doing your PhD in the future, and I guess if you are looking to build in a topic, it makes sense to go from a topic you already have worked on, so you have a you know have a have a bit of data to start with already. Um, but it never hurts to go and do something completely new and learn how to research like you're not comfortable with. You know.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Um, so once you've done this, uh, MSC, what's the plan? What are you going to do?
1: Um, so in the nearer future, I would definitely like to, you know, work for and achieve, um, a SCA accreditation. And um, we're probably going to have a conversation about that because I know that okay, you don't that's... like it. <laughs> um but yeah i i'm kind of lucky to work obviously where i am right now where i'm surrounded kind of like by the best like strength and conditioning coaches you know that work with big teams like dublin gaa and stuff and i just plan to learn right now as much as i can from people like that Um i still haven't really decided whether i want to stay in like a clinical setting like Santry or whether i want to break off and have you know like maybe have clients or work with teams or maybe even both but the networking and the and learning you know and shadowing as many people as i can right now i think that's a step in the right direction um and then obviously in the later future, distant future, I plan to do a PhD. Um something I always kinda wanted to do. Um I like the idea of being able to like share my knowledge with others and help other students, you know, who are just like me. Um I'm still undecided on what kind of topic I'm looking to do. Um probably best to get the dissertation idea out of the way first. <laughs> um but I do need to be passionate about the topic, I think, if I'm gonna be doing it, you know, for three to four years. So
0: yeah, there's no like get your, like I said, like, like you said, get your master's done and don't worry. Like, I'm about, I'm thinking 2022 will be when I start my PhD. Um, but obviously, you need a kind of a bit of financial backing to do your PhD. And obviously, being unemployed for the half of uh, 2020 hasn't helped my fucking financial situation. Yeah. <laughs> so I might be pushed back an, another year, we'll see. Um, what I would say to you is like when it comes to a PhD kind of try to think of the idea close to the time because you know how quickly sports science moves and everything changes it's all very cyclical it all comes back around but your idea you might have right now in two years time might be like ah, that's not worth doing a study on you know yeah um so there's no need to really worry too much about that have you have you coached any teams or any i know you've coached a few athletes i know we've uh, i know you've worked with nisha who Desperately asked for a shout out on the show. Um, <laughs> as soon as she's seen it, she messaged me straight away saying, you're never going to understand her. I said, if I understand you for fucking four years, fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, have, you, have you coached many athletes, many teams so far? Or are you kind of still in that kind of process? I know it's not been ideal for you because you graduated in the middle of a lockdown, which is a little bit difficult.
1: Um, yeah. So during my final year, I actually did a little bit of work with the football team in Belfast called Dariaki Football Club. Um so I was kind of doing a strength and conditioning session with them during a training session on a Tuesday evening. So I have a little bit of team exposure, which is nice and it definitely helped me learn. You know, I definitely fucked up so many times in sessions. So it's definitely helped me learn quite a lot. Um and in terms of just individual athletes, you know, it's the likes of Nisha and like lots of my friends that play basketball. So it hasn't been anyone from outside of kind of my sport other than the team stuff. Um so yeah, I'm still still definitely learning in that aspect.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely like, I mean, you, you know me, I, I work mostly within basketball in Ireland and kind of climbed the ladder from working with schools to the to national teams, the mobile national teams and stuff like that. It's, it's not the hardest climb in the world, to be honest. Um, what I would say to you is you want to do like a, a slow burner. I was 21 years old coaching the Irish a 20 women's team, which was a, a bit much, um, especially <laughs> I, was, I wasn't even finished my undergrad at that point. So you've, you've got, I would take more time. I, I mean, like you said, i I made so many fucking mistakes with every team i've worked with you just learn from them right and next time you 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 get better um is there any kind of path that you see yourself doing do you want to work in basketball do you want to work in multiple sports do you like the team environment do you prefer the one-on-one environment
1: um well through through the clinic you know i i kind of gauge how many you know what kind of sports are getting what kind of injuries so like with acl we see so many Gillick football players so I feel as if maybe GAA would be a route that I would like to go down in terms of teams, but obviously with the love of basketball, I wouldn't mind doing basketball, do you know, um, yeah, yeah. especially with like lower limb injuries being such a predominant thing, especially recently, like the last couple of years, you've seen so many people, do you know? Mm-hmm. Um. So I think I would definitely like to either go down the basketball or GAA route or maybe both, do you know?
0: Yeah, no, of course. I mean, you, what you want to do, you're in a perfect place to learn as much as you can, right? On the, On the kind of, rehabilitation the injury side of things next step is to find someone you like as an snc coach you know within your local area and start maybe shadowing them at the higher level and network in that way right
1: yeah that's it. it's the best way to do it really isn't
0: it it's kind of the only way to do it right you, yeah. you could have the you could have the um the best presentation the best resume in the world but if the guy doesn't know you he's gonna pick his friend anyway right it's always it's always the way it goes you gotta get in their network and find out who you would first of all who you like working with right you know as an SNC coach, we kind of all jump at every job that's given to us because we think there might not be another one tomorrow, um, especially when we're young. And you get in there, and I, I mean, that's, I, I have a kind of well, some pretty bad experiences working with GA, where you get promised the world as an SNC coach, <coughs> you go in and you find yourself everything you want to do is change in the day. You can't do this, can't do that. So I've, I've always stayed away from that, and that's just, I mean, that's just my negative experience with it. But then when I went into basketball, I was I was very very firm in what I wanted to do and what I wanted to achieve, and how much time I needed and what I needed a week and if you do that and you get unwell to coach it, it makes life a lot easier Um and it always the number one thing that makes everything great is when you're winning right everything's easy when you're winning when you're losing <laughs> it becomes a little bit more difficult um so if, if you have you got any preference on whether you want to work in male or female sports or anything like that
1: um no preference but I am in, interested to kind of see do you know how it's taken as a you know a female snc coach in a very male kind of dominant sport so i think that would be an interesting thing to kind of see um do you know how just how seriously or whatever you would be taken? because obviously snc can be perceived as quite a male dominated role
0: yeah yeah for sure i mean i i uh i was once uh talking to a, a pretty i won't say his name because he's actually pretty famous uh um, <laughs> He 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 works in the NFL, um, so oh. he is pretty, um, <laughs> And he was telling me that he uh, he um, had a female coach, female C coach working for him, and uh, she went in and she was taking a team or whatever. And um, he, she, she was talking, and the guys weren't listening, and he could see it. And the next day he goes into her and he goes, "Just tell them to fuck off, pretty much. Tell them to tell them to if you could do half the things I can do." And she went in stronger, firmer the next day, and then. Everything seems to be a little bit easy for her. But I I would be very interested to see. I mean, I think, like, I, what I don't understand is you see a, a load of female physios. Mm-hmm. You don't see a load of female S&C coaches, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's, like, a, a gender paradigm or, or whatever way that works. I, I don't know why that happens. But I would love to see more and more female S&C coaches, especially obviously working in male sports, of course, but even working in female sports as well, like the players mm-hmm. who have played the game as well who understand the movement. I can tell you, that took me quite a while to understand female movement because I, I like working in female sports I feel that you can add more at a basketball level mm-hmm. um and it took me a while to kind of really understand how how females move on the court and stuff like that and once I did it became easier but if you had that understanding from the start I think that'd be like a, a good solid base for any SNC coach but particularly you you know mm-hmm
1: yeah that's it and especially with like so many there's so many different things with female sports that like people don't take into consideration especially maybe males who don't really think about it like there's obviously lots of things that come into play like the female menstrual cycle and i feel as like as a female coach you kind of understand how that works if your player's feeling a bit shit one day you're going to understand why do you know um so it's, it's definitely there's things there that, that females are a lot harder i would say in my opinion to train probably the males um which is obviously nice like if you like a challenge you know and um, female sports words that but
0: yeah I mean of course that's that's that, you know the mention' like a huge point I mean for mm-hmm. us I was always lucky to work with like a either a female physio or a female mm-hmm. um nutritionist who was they were obviously more willing to have a conversation about like there's no way I'm going to go up and ask them about it right and that's <laughs> you know it's going to just be awkward right and they're not going to tell me the truth anyway because they don't want to right um but yeah and like we um we always talk about buy-in and relationships on this podcast with S&C coaches and, you know, there's things like that that get you better buy-in that you might not even realise but that just push them a little bit harder in what you need them to do. If you haven't got a relationship with them, you're kind of, you're backed against the wall from the start, right?
1: Yeah, that's it. Like, I think that that's with anything, isn't it? Even if whether you're a basketball coach, an S&C coach or a physio, like you have to have a relationship with your athletes, you know? I think that's like the best way for success in both like on and off the pitch or the court, you know?
0: Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, I mean, it's it's so hard, right? I mean, like you're lucky to be working in the century, but I would hate to be coming out of my undergrad right now in in a place where you can't even really get an internship. You can't even work in a gym right now, right? You know, it's like mm. how are you meant to kind of get better at your trade? I mean, the only thing is that everybody's gonna be a couple years behind, I would assume in, in the practical side of it, because I always feel like you're when you get out of your undergrad, that two years you spend coaching, whether it be anything, right, whether it be you know, even just simple PT, whether it be rehab stuff, whether it be with teams, that's where you learn to build relationships, right? Being out mm-hmm. there, having making mistakes, you know, saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, having people who don't like you and starting to be okay with people who don't like you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um There's always going to be the case. I always say the one third rule, you know, a third of the people are going to love it. A third of people are going to be like, all right, I'll do it. And a third of people are going to hate you. It's always going to be the way. Yeah. Um And as you, when you're younger, you're always looking for everybody's, you know, uh, you want everyone to like you, right? You want to be, important you know especially as a young snc coach um and i just feel like coaches right now are missing out on those kind of years of doing it right i mean first of all how many you know if if this virus or whatever if it goes until the summer fine at least you'll get some summer sports in or if it opens back up in the summer but like like you right if you that's why you probably made a smart choice to go and do your master's i don't have that influence you doing your master's or if you're always going to do it imagine being out there right now if one year post your first year post college and you can't even get a job in a gym, right? It's kind of crazy.
1: Yeah. Like I i don't like it fell luckily for me. Do you know I feel as if I definitely hit some sort of luck come September time there last year. But I do feel for anyone, do you know, that has maybe come off of my course even a sport and exercise science and they've gone on to do either S and C or maybe their PT course and now they just don't have the clients and they they can't get like earn their stripes almost on the gym floor, do you know, making their mistakes and learning on the job i feel as if there's only so much you can do online um and there's only so much people will take seriously online as well do you know
0: yeah and like i mean as much as you can say you know the first lockdown everybody's like let's get behind let's do it coaches are running out of ideas as well right <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, not, not necessarily on the programs but just on the entertainment side of things right you have to have the players want to do something i mean if i see another fucking zoom <laughs> 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 <in> the- <laughs> I mean, what are you gonna do? You have no choice, right? You know, I see really high-level S and C coaches doing Zoom sessions with their athletes, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Fuck me! Imagine that! <laughs> Imagine being a very high-level athlete and having to do a Zoom session." <laughs> <That's> crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Crazy. Um, I was actually helping a friend with a little bit of programming on an in, in county female team yesterday, and uh, we were we were looking over what he's gonna do for his Zoom session and how he's gonna kind of get them to do their sprint work in a limited amount of space and. All this kind of stuff. And I was like, fuck, I'm so happy I'm not coaching a team right now.
1: Fuck. That. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, it's a fucking nightmare. He's
0: like, <laughs> he's like do you think they'll like this? I like, go, I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> I like, I've never met them. <laughs> um, I, like, oh, I, I couldn't imagine it. And like, he was, the toughest thing is like, what are you, you're calculating load and how, right? You know, mm. I mean, you, you're doing this RPE stuff on a Zoom session where, you know, there's, there's very little equipment. You're doing isometrics, you're doing, you know, eccentrics, all these kind yeah. of things. And yeah, sure, you'll get some benefit out of it for a period of time. Yeah. But the longer this goes on, the more difficult it's going to be to sustain that kind of strength level, right?
1: That's it. And like, where do you progress? Do you know, there's only so much you can do at home.
0: And you, the, I mean, I feel like I, we did a whole return to, to training series. And I think I had nine or 10 sports on. And by the end of it, it uh, like, I never wanted to talk about returning to training again. I was so tired. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, the biggest thing, and it, it still stands true to today, you know, is, like, how is the reaction going to be when they come back? How many ACLs are we going to see when we get into I know we've had kind of one kind of season. I mean, basketball hasn't really got back up and running. But, um, yeah. you know, the, the reactive side of things is going to be tough. Um, you just hope that there's enough time, which I don't think there's going to be, right? I feel like it's going to be even more rushed this time when we open up back up again because they're they've lost more time, right? So I don't know what they're planning on doing. Are they going to avoid seasons in places? What they're going to do, but that kind of, especially like you know, I just think of a basketball court and I think of all the changing of direction, or the turning and stuff like that, all the landing that you haven't been jumping up a landing for a period of time, taking contact the landing. There's going to be a ton of injuries. I can see it happening. You're gonna yeah. be busy. I'm gonna be busy. Yeah,
1: that's it. But even if you look like if you look at these athletes like NFL and like NBA, they're like top athletes, top of their game, who have this great team around them. They work out every day. And they're still getting injured. So, like, it's very hard to see how people that aren't obviously surrounded and getting paid to play their sport are going to come back without some sort of plan set in place, you know?
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, <clears throat> there is, like, you know, I always have discussion. I-, I know some pretty good physios out here and a few few good mm-hmm. doctors who work kind of mostly in kind of s I guess they kind of translate over a little bit because right now rehab's like a huge part of everything. Everyone's yeah. kind of knocked up and injured from doing stupid stuff and or going back too soon. Um, and they, they, they're like, you know, that rate of false development, the ability to sprint fast and all that, it it comes with, you know, risks as well, you know? So if you don't build that properly, we're making bigger, faster, stronger athletes who move bigger, faster and jump higher and all this kind of thing, you know, and they hit harder, right. And they get hit Mm -hmm. harder. And that's always going to have a knock on effect. So even with the best team around you, right. There's, there's just risks that are always going to be there, you know? Yeah. Um, do you guys, I mean, I know one of my friends who worked, she worked at Sandra, I got, I'd got. say maybe three or four years ago, she was doing a lot of work on concussion and post-concussion injury rates and stuff like that. Do you guys do much work on that now or is that kind of all that data done now?
1: Um. So I think all that data is kind of done now, but we do, luckily now we have the Irish rugby team's um, concussion doctor, um, Colin Fuller. Mm-hmm. He works with us, so it's kind of nice to kind of have him around. Um, you do. we did like a concussion study day whenever I was an intern there so we did a whole CPD day just on concussion injuries and rugby and stuff so it was quite interesting to see the data that they had collected.
0: Nice and do, do you guys do much in your professional development there is there is a lot of time every week or?
1: Um. So before Covid yeah it would have been once a month you would have had one person in the clinic would have led a whole study day and it would have been a Friday it would have been like nine to five mm-hmm. and it would have been a whole day of everyone in the clinic just speaking and like given like their thoughts and their knowledge but now because of covid it's obviously a lot harder to do so they did the clinic did run a an online sort of um cpd but it was um worldwide and it was ticketed and stuff they did that i think around october time um. so i think that's kind of the way forward for cpds and things like that you know
0: yeah yeah i mean i mean it's everything's everything's it's really hard right everything's so difficult right now because of covid um but if you can put yourself in a position that you know when you come out of this you're in a better position than when you started then you'll be one of the few who've done that and I feel like you will right you're going to be working as a century for god knows, probably six to eight months <laughs> by the time we come out of this um hopefully stay there as long as you can work your way up the ladder mm-hmm. and kind of work from there um before we kind of wrap it up and we're going to talk about your social media a little bit like I always let people kind of plug their social media and give <laughs> a little bit of a chat about is there anything that we you wanted to touch on that we haven't touched on yet
1: um no I think we pretty much covered everything yeah
0: other than my literal hate for the UK SCA. Oh um,
1: yeah, other than that, yeah. <laughs> other than
0: that little part. We won't, no, we won't go into too much. I would just say to you that uh, I wouldn't waste my time and money when a CSCS is, is, you know, across the world is just as valuable as your UK SCA. Um, now, I know if you're going to look to work in the UK market, it's probably more important. But even, I just don't like it.
1: <laughs> so it's
0: like, it's like um, and everyone I've talked to at a high level because mm-hmm. that, that was the thing right when I left college I was like okay I'm gonna go get my UKSCA and everyone told me not to and mm-hmm. just to go get UCSCS and I mean over here I uh when I got here um I was working for about oh, in in my role I was working for maybe four months and then a the college over here out of nowhere I don't know where he, he, I, didn't, I didn't put anything in for a position or anything like that um and I got an email saying, would I like to come in and interview for the head of a flat development at some college downtown in Toronto? I was like, great. Yeah, sure. Of course. Cool. So I went in, interviewed all this kind of stuff. And uh, I asked them, like at the end of it, I asked them, what do you prefer? Would you like prefer UK SCA? And they said, what's that? <laughs> so, <laughs> like, it was like the, it's like the British version of CSCS. They like, go, oh, yeah, sure. Right. You know? Um,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> so uh, like if you're going to work over this side of the world over in North America, I would just get your CSCS. It's easier. It's cheaper. Um, and you haven't got but then again if you're going to work in the UK I guess it makes sense to try the UK SCA yeah Um, I just I I don't know why I see it all the time I mean power cleans and and Olympic lifts and snatches and stuff like this we all learn it in college and Mm
1: -hmm. it just doesn't
0: I mean you'll see it I think people use it because they learn it right yeah um, it takes someone long learns like a sense of I can do this you can't um but the amount of time you spend fucking teaching an athlete to clean you know <laughs> is like what else could you have done during that time right you know yeah um what are you looking for you're looking for you know the forces you produce on the way up or the eccentric forces you absorb on the way down or oh, that's so great i'm sure we have five different exercises that work as well and mm-hmm. the fact that the uk sca put such an emphasis on those lifts and stuff like that is just uh, for me it gets a little bit um it gets a little bit dicey but yeah do what you want that's just my two thoughts, yeah. <laughs> um have you looked into doing the UK SCA and how much it will cost and stuff like that
1: um so I know that it's pricey I do know that um the Mm -hmm. only the only main reason as to why I want to do it is because that is that's the accreditation that you need to have for the clinic to be an SNC coach so and it's also and it's also the one that they do CPDs for so if I wanted then after my master's to obviously do my UK SCA I can do it through the clinic Mm
0: mm-hmm
1: um, which I don't know whether that would save me any money or not I'm not 100% sure yet um, but yeah. yeah I feel as if even in college you know all you hear is UKCA, UKCA you have to do it like that's your accreditation that's the next step Um mm-hmm. it's o- only recently I've heard of other options You know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: same, same, yeah. I mean it just depends on where you're going to work I guess right if you're going to work mm. in the UK or, or in Sanctuary I guess there's a stable requirement but then it's you know how much it's going to cost you are you gonna pass it first time? Because there's always that thing that they say that people they just fail people, right? I don't know how true yeah. that is. Um you do hear that quite a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're confident and you you're ready to do it and you're efficient at the lifts, efficient at all the movements and want to spend the money on it, and if it's gonna make you money long term, for sure, do it, right?
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: All right. So um, like I said at the end of every kind of podcast, we uh I give everyone a chance to kind of plug their social media. Why don't you tell us all about that?
1: Yeah, so um, I have a social media account called Sports Science with Bree. Um, so I started it during the first COVID-19 lockdown, pretty much just to help educate people on things that we see in the gym or online every day. Pretty much I like to kind of use it for things that I see that pisses me off in the fitness industry. Um, I've noticed that. <laughs> yeah, I like to call a lot of people out, I think, um, with things you know like keto diets, PTs, handing out a meal plan. Um, the menstrual cycle I like just kind of to educate and call out bullshit pretty much on the page so I mean if that's something you're interested in please give it a follow on Instagram you can also follow it on Facebook as well Um, I also have my normal account just Brianna Mulhern, um, that I post bits and pieces to now and then and share quite a lot of sport related stuff too Um, but yeah
0: and if say if somebody wants to work with you <laughs> do they just DM you is that right on Instagram
1: yeah it's probably the easiest email
0: address they can go to
1: yeah, DM on Instagram is probably the easiest way to get in contact with me. I'm always on my phone, so, you know, my my generation. My phone's stuck in my hand, so, um, yeah, DM me, and it's probably the easiest way to get in contact.
0: Okay, perfect. Uh, Brianna, thank you so much for coming on today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for being the first person in the second series of the podcast, so you can take that <laughs> as well. Um, I'd love to have you back on at some point. Maybe when this all opens up again, you can tell mm-hmm. me what, how your you know dissertation for your master's is, is going and whether you're going to take that step into team sports or keep it in, we'll we'll talk about some more stuff. So thank you so much for coming on. Uh, It's been a real pleasure chatting to you and you're always welcome back.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it and I would love to come back on as well in a few months time and talk more.
0: Okay. Chat soon. So that wraps up episode one of series two of the Be Less Done podcast. Thank you so much to Brianna for being on. I uh, really, really enjoyed that chat. And she's got a lot of interesting things to say, especially with her job at Santry right now. Uh, maybe we'll have her back on in about six months time when she finishes her masters and kind of see where she goes as an SNC coach from there. I'm really excited. And I think she's going to do really well. So I'm excited to get to chat to her again. Um, so... Series one of the podcast was kind of always, you know, sports science based, and SNC coaches coming on, telling about what they do. This time, we're going to keep that theme a little bit. We're going to expand more into the business side of things. Um, next week, we're going to talk to Eric Lutz, who is a training client of mine here in, in Canada, but also runs a very successful events management business. Obviously, that was a little bit difficult with COVID this year, and now he started his own clothing line, and he's now actually getting into being a trainer himself. So we're going to have a chat with him. And secondly, we're gonna chat with Jordan Kells, who's a sales coach. You might remember Jordan from episode three of our podcast. he kind of came on and talked about personal trainers and how they can improve their sales. Since then, he's kind of really diverted all his attention to building a social media platform and he's got about 40,000 followers on Instagram now, so that really blew up. So we're going to talk to him about how he done that, how other trainers can do that, how other people who want to make money from Instagram. He has a really nice quote. He says, you know, um, a business without sales is just a hobby and I really agree. So we're going to have a quick chat with him. Uh, if you do like this podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and uh, thank you all for listening.